Hey friend, welcome back to Houston Made, a show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey and selfishly gain insights as I build my own business. In this episode, we continue the conversation with Kathy Jones, a good friend who owns and operates the Cypress location of Class 101, a college prep and student mentoring franchise. If you didn't catch our first episode, I'd invite you to go back and listen to that. It's a great introduction to who Kathy is and what led her into opening her own franchise. Today's episode is sponsored by Victoria Garcia Studios, a local full-service photography studio that specializes in personal brand photography. If you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, having purposeful brand photography can make all the difference in your ability to connect with your target demographic. So stay tuned after the episode to learn how Victoria Garcia Studios can help you stand out in your industry through high-quality on-brand photography. Now listen in as Kathy and I discuss the benefits of starting with an established brand, the risks of comparing ourselves to others in our own industries, and the advantages and disadvantages of looking younger than we actually are as business owners. Let's talk about the franchise element of this. So kind of give me an overarching idea of how you look at a franchise, what it is, and then what was that experience getting into it for you? Right. Well, for my journey, it was I did not have the experience in this formally. So for for this franchise, it was that I wanted the systems and processes in place. So if you buy a franchise, it's already an established business and you step in with all of the training, all of the kinks have been worked out in that regard. What's interesting about the Class 101, Class 101 is a national franchise that did not have a presence in Houston. And so what was very different was that a lot of times what you're buying into is the brand and, you know, people know Subway, Chick-fil-A, but here I was buying in more for the systems and processes, knowing that I was going to have to build the brand for them because nobody, you know, knows what that is out here. Um, So that was an interesting thing that I think was a little bit more of a risk that you don't normally see in the franchise element, because usually you're buying this brand awareness. And then it's usually more of a cookie cutter experience. So I will say that's one thing that's a little bit different about Class 101 is that the systems and processes are the same. But what I liked about it is that they have a 90-10 rule. And so 10% of it can be a little bit of the Kathy Flair. I can tailor a little bit of my services based on the needs of my market and based on what I'm I'm good at. So I focus a lot more on like the mentoring side with with students. So that part's a little bit different. So that makes class 101 more unique, I think, than um, the typical franchise. Um, one thing that I found that's interesting is obviously when you buy a franchise, you know, you sign agreements and things and it's all in favor of the franchisor. This is their business that they, they you know, came up with and everything. Uh, but it still doesn't mean that I don't own this location. So I find that my mindset has to change that I'm not an employee. I went from, you know, 15 years of being an employee of somebody to, oh, wait a second. Like, I don't technically have to do that if it's not in my contract. <laughs> so that's a very interesting yeah. thing to, um, I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have to have every everybody like me because um, there's no performance review. They just want me to be successful so that I pay my royalties. So that was... Um, an interesting thing for me to wrap my head around that I, Oh wait, I own this location. I I'm, I'm not an employee. And I do love that we're talking about this while we're like in the middle. Right. I mean, I I didn't say it. Brene Brown did that. She talks about the middle is messy. 
and we like uh, that imposter syndrome of comparing myself because I meet wonderful education consultants and I look, they've been doing it for 20 years and I'm like, oh, I can't compare myself to that person. So it's good. It's a nice reminder. Yeah. I, yeah, we're in the thick of it and there's a temptation always to, especially for me, and I don't know that everybody experiences this, but there's a real big temptation for me to try and skip the steps uh, I see where people go. I have really enjoyed getting into videography and making little videos and movies whenever I can, whether it's my family or for my business. And the people that I'm looking at, I see them and I go, oh my gosh, how do I get there? How do I do that? And I was talking with uh, somebody who helps me a lot with my business. And uh, she was like, yeah, but they were like wedding videographers for a decade before they got to making these films. Like they had experience making videos for a decade, learning the camera, learning the technique, learning all of that before they started making these things. Like you can't just skip the middle work and that's exhausting and it's frustrating. Sometimes I just want to be better already. Well, yeah. I will say then that, that, that was the advantage of the franchise path, I guess, that I took is that I did get to skip a lot of steps. And there's 23 years of experience there where, you know, here's the systems, here's the processes. If I, and that we talked about support being so important. And so that built in support where I can call corporate, I can call, you know, another owner. And I'm like, Hey, I have this situation. Well, someone in the last 23 years over, you know, 50 different locations has seen it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that offers somewhat of a safety net. Um, uh, the disadvantage would be that you you do have to stay within the you know confines of the franchisor, um, and then you know you don't get to keep all the money. But yeah, so it's weighing that like, do you want the total freedom and go on your own and create everything, or in my case, I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a structured person. I, I want it boxed up all nice and pretty. Yeah, oh, for <laughs> uh, sure. So, yeah. Real estate's probably similar in that. I mean, obviously I've got brokerage splits, so I pay my broker part of my commission up to a certain point. But then also I think just being a business owner, you find how quickly you have to pay taxes. It's like, you're never going to keep all the money. <laughs> Thank God for my CPA. God bless her for saving me thousands of dollars every year. Okay. So the franchise, let's go more mechanical. You find class 101, you say, Hey, I want to, I want to buy a location. You pay them a lump sum up front or do you finance that? How do you how do you buy a franchise location? Or in your case, how did that happen? Yes. So the the first thing is that they we had to vet each other. Um so I went to a lot of franchises do like a discovery day. So flew out um at our expense and went and visited corporate and you know, they wanted me to do a background check and they wanted to look at, you know, myself. Um, and then I also, you know, checked them out. Um, and then when it was a thumbs up by both parties, then there is a franchise disclosure agreement that we have to sign. Um, in our case, we did hire a franchise attorney to look over it, which I would recommend for any, anybody just to make sure that it all is on the up and up. And then yes, we pay a, a lump sum and that's up to you. If you want to pay it, you know, if you have the cash to pay it or if you want to finance it. Um, I know some people go and get a small business loan um, to help, to help with that. Um, so yeah, so it was the lump sum upfront. And then I went through the intense training that they have for new owners uh, for the onboarding. And then from there, there's, you know, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day type type training and accountability. So yeah, so that was my process, the lump sum. And then we pay uh, royalties 
monthly um, based on revenue that's collected. And then we do have some mandatory trainings each year um, that we go to at our, our expense as owners. And then you had to get a location, right? And fill that location with tables and chairs. I mean, it's, it's not a, uh, it's a nice space. I've been in your space, but it's not a, the Ritz Carlton. But so, I mean, you had some more overhead to kind of get into the game a little bit more, right? Correct. And what are you talking about? It's not the Ritz Carlton. It's the Ritz Carlton. It's I have Michelin five star. Cool, cool exposed ceilings <laughs> and some faux wood laminate flooring. It's great. No, yes. So what, what's another really unique thing about Class 101 is that because we work with students, you technically could do it, you know, on Zoom or you know, go to their homes. Uh, they don't require that you get a location in until year two. Okay. As as you build up, because they know it's a you know you got to know people and build. And I made the decision that I said, no, like if I buy a franchise and I'm a legitimate business, um, I actually waited. I signed my contract, went through training. I spent three months of training and getting my space up because, and that was just a personal decision where I was like, no, that I'm going to, I'm going to go all in um, and and do that. So yes. So I do have a a storefront that is in like kind of the community where I have two high schools nearby. So I do work with a lot of students. I wanted it to be, community-based because a lot of the students, when they get older, they do get driver's licenses and they can come themselves because the idea is that they're accountable. They set the appointment and they show up on time and get themselves here. Um, So we also have a classroom next door. So they know that they can drive in anytime and they'll just come by after school if they want to work on, I don't care if they work on homework, uh, their test prep homework, if they want to write essays or look for scholarships. So they know I have sodas in the fridge and snacks and and just come, you know, eat my food and, and work on homework. Cause that was, that was the envision that I had is that I'm a little center for these kids to come to. Um, and it's really interesting because with COVID hitting uh, a lot of students do struggle to do the, in front of a zoom camera all day long. So I'm like, at least you have a space to come to where you can, obviously we wear masks and social distance right now. But yeah, they I, they do have that need. I got to get out of the house, and I was one of the least risky places they could go to out of the house. I'm like, I'm not the grocery store. You're not going to be jam packed with people. Come in here. Here's your box of Clorox wipes. Wipe down your table. <laughs> get some work done. Um, so yes, that's been the space has been a huge huge blessing. But yes, when it comes to for me, it was the lump sum up front to buy into the franchise, and then the added expense of furnishing the office and getting it all up and running for sure. And then of course, getting your name out there. And so spending a little bit more money on marketing that first year because no one's heard of you. And again, because I, I wasn't, I didn't have a brand that people knew out in this area yet that, you know, we had to spend a little bit more money for that. So I imagine having a space like a brick and mortar location adds a bit of credibility. Do you think that that's mostly your own psychology of does that, does that help you be like, this is real as opposed to, I think I know I struggled in my business and it getting my office, even at the market center made a really big difference in saying, Oh wait, actually, yeah, I'm doing something. I have a space. And I, cause I, I'm sure having a brick and mortar, obviously just for the visibility, people are driving by, they see your sign. What's that? Even if it's just implanting, but how much of it do you think was the community's awareness and how much do you think of it was your psychology of affirming that, yeah, you did it. This is a real thing. You know what? That's really interesting. I, I honestly don't 
No, I feel like right now, because my kids are doing online school and my husband's at home working, like, I'm like, I'm glad I have a space. I don't have any place to work at home. Like, they're yeah. all, they've taken up all of it. Um, so that's nice that I'm I'm the one that gets to, to leave and, and go to work. Um, but I, I have gone back and forth with this. Did I, did I see so much success in my first couple of years because I had that space? And so did people say yes because it was more credible? Or if I had been sitting around their kitchen table, would they have said yes? because of me. I don't know. I, I, unless I, I guess surveyed my clients, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. I feel like for me, it, it's less stressful than driving to people's houses. Um, and I, I absolutely know that you can do a lot of things on zoom, but with my experience with these students, there are some kids that you can just engage with them a lot better, even though they're six feet away behind a plexiglass if you get them here with no distractions, you can connect with them a lot better. Um, so I do like that. Uh, but yeah, that, that's really, I don't know. I don't know if my success was from getting the space right out of the gate. And if that was my confidence and went up because I felt more legitimate or, or not. Yeah. But yeah. That was a good question. Speaking of credibility, and I'm going to ask this question because I think that it's something that you and I both struggle with. And I know that it's something that has irked you over the years as somebody. And I, I, I think this is true of me. I get this a lot as somebody who often gets the uh, response from people that we look younger than we actually are. How has that impacted you? How has that shaped you as a business owner, is that something you've had to overcome or have you made peace with that? What's really funny is that I feel like in the last two years, I don't get that as much. And now I'm like, well, I guess I wanted to not look young and now it's happening. <laughs> and now I can't get mad about it. No, uh, no yeah, I'm five foot one. And I, yeah, it'll always be something for me that that I have to overcome. I do, I do find that I use, I try to use it to my advantage. I find that usually people walk in and they underestimate me. And therefore when I open my mouth, they're like, Oh, like, and it almost works to an advantage because they, they walked in going, Oh, is, where is the owner here? I'm like, yeah, that's me. Like I, I come out in the sea of kids that are all taller than me. Um, I do think it actually helps in this line of work because I work with students. I think, Sometimes it's easier for them. I, I'm never going to be intimidating to them. They'll open up to me because I'm like the size of them. So I think in that regard, it helps. I don't think it, it helps when I'm trying to put my foot down as the boss or to kind of set those boundaries or, you know, make that awkward call when someone hasn't paid you. I, I still think that that insecurity comes in me where I'm like, maybe if I was, you know, looked different. They, they would take me more seriously. I, I don't know. Um, so yes, that's something that's always, always going to be a problem uh, for me for some reason. But like I said, I'm trying to work ways where, um, what did Simon Sinek, I was watching a Simon Sinek thing the other day where he, he was talking about being an introvert and how he's like, you just have to take what you have and, and flip it and work it to your advantage. I'm like, yeah, I feel like that's what I try to do. And so I am in a line of work where again, it does work for me to look a little bit younger and be less intimidating um, and be that helper. Cause that's what I want to be. So yeah. That, how, how have you done? How have you managed? Cause I think like in real estate, you're like, Oh, this is a huge investment. Like the, 
Yeah. That's different than like, I like, I can like, I can look like a, a teacher if you will. Like I'm mentoring kids. So I, I feel like I can look, I can look more kid like, <laughs> but, but for you, how have you overcome it? Or have you found that people, you care about it more than people care about it? Uh, I think I, I certainly care about it more than likely most people care about it, but I, I think it does matter. I get a lot, you know, that people will think that I'm regularly seven years younger than I am or more, depending on the day. And a part of that is one, I think that I have youngish features, whatever that means, and also a naturally boyish and childlike energy that I just can't get away from. And I'm, and that's a love hate relationship within myself. Like I've been in therapy a lot just for that of I I'm, I'm loud and I'm, I try to have fun and I want to, I want to be everybody's friend and I don't ever want to take myself too seriously. And I deeply want respect. I genuinely want people to respect me as a professional, as a father, as an adult, as a man, as like all of these labels that I carry around in my head is I want people to respect me. And so I definitely care about it. And I don't think that I get it so much from clients. I think that in the, in the beginning, I certainly did. And I could tell when clients were taking pity on me. And God bless them for that because I needed the client. So like, God bless them for, for taking pity on me and giving me their business. But now I can go into an appointment mostly just based on my own confidence and my ability and say, hey, I can get this job done for you. And I'm going to wear a t-shirt, flip-flops and a ball cap. And this is how I present myself to most of my clients. I think that there are probably some clients I'll never get because of that. I think that there is a luxury market uh, that would look at me and say, no, uh-uh. because, because I get it. Like how we present ourselves definitely reflects how we hold ourselves and how we pursue our business and all of that. And I understand that there are some people who want their realtor to wear a suit. I don't think that has anything to do with my ability to sell your house and market your house. Uh but I get it. Sometimes you need to fit the part for whatever narrative you're telling. And I think that there's some luxury. And and that said, I've done luxury deals. I've sold nearly million dollar properties in River Oaks looking like this. And I'm OK with it. I think the biggest place that I find pushback is from other people in the industry is there are other realtors who have been doing this for 30 years and they bought into the belief that you have to look a certain way and dress a certain way and drive a certain car. And, and in all of that, that's what makes you the realtor. There's been a fair amount of condescension and underestimating me when it comes to my ability to do this job and take care of my clients. And it sucks as much as I want to say like, ah, I don't care. You've been, you're this crotchety old real estate agent. You don't even know how to use Facebook. Like I, as much as I want to be all defensive and angry about all that, like it hurts because I deeply want respect and I deeply want respect to people who've been in the industry a long time, even if I don't like them. And so it is a challenge. I think that I constantly have to go back. I, I have daily affirmations and for years, one of my daily affirmations for my business is I'm a great realtor because I have like. I have to remind myself of that. And it's not because I dress a certain way or look a certain way or drive a certain car. It's because I take good care of my clients and I'm knowledgeable and all of that. Um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's a eternal battle. I probably, I don't know, maybe one day 
I just will stop looking young. <laughs> my my kids will run me ragged enough that they'll be like, oh, no, it seems like you've probably been doing this for a while. <laughs> and at that point, maybe I'll I'll be sad a little bit. I've just kind of determined that I'm going to be like a 70 year old man wearing a backwards baseball cap. That's just that's how I'm going to be. And it's going to be a different thing. But mo- for, for I think the people who matter, they don't care and they see yeah. the good and they see the expertise. Well, the other interesting thing is that, you know, just the fact that, you know, I look a little young and I do think a lot of it has to do with my height. Um, but before and any other, like when I say my, my son and like how old he is, they'd be like, Oh my gosh, you don't look old enough to have that you know thing. But now in this job, when I say my son got into Baylor, he got into this school, he got into this school, then they're like, Oh good. She's been through this. So like, like she knows, she knows how hard it is to like have, you know, that high school student that's butting heads with mom or, or whatnot. So it's really funny that it's flipped and actually helped me. <laughs> helps me now where before it would come with those little comments that I think were always, you know, meant well. And um, they, they mean it as a compliment uh, when they say, Oh, you don't look old enough. Then I'm like, Oh gosh. And that's really interesting. Uh, maybe, maybe um, I, I should, uh, you should bill me, I guess, for the therapy session, because I never really thought, I mean, you're probably right. It is just this deep rooted need for respect right? That you, and I, that then you put a lot of effort, you are knowledgeable, you work really hard and, and to have that respect. And then it goes into the, all those deeper conversations of if someone's going to make that, you know, snap judgment, just based on how young I look, I, I can't imagine the people that get snap judgments on, you know, whatever else about their appearance or their race or right. Like, um, so then that usually put, puts me in check that I'm like, okay, I can do this. Um, but, uh, yeah, so yeah, o- ongoing battle and, and you're right. Your kids will run you ragged and make you look old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's good, there's reason I've got some good lighting here and I, I got to bring all this in so that I can try to look presentable. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that so much of this being a business owner, it, Yes, there are elements that we have to learn. We have to learn how to manage finances. We have to learn how to file taxes. We have to learn how to find, keep, bill clients and do all of those things on top of all of the other various niche skills that we have to learn. And yet, this is a Keller Williams thing. um, And so many of their things seem a little cliche, but then it you're like, "Ah, yeah, you're right. It's like your business will only ever grow as much as you do. And I think that that's why part of the reason why I bring that stuff up is because I think that that's, yes, you had to pay money to get into a franchise. Yes, I have to pay brokerage splits and all of that matters. And all of this stuff matters. This stuff of taking care of yourself, working through your own fears. Uh, I mean, yesterday I was having a conversation with my my marketing partner about my fears around respect and how I want people to perceive me on social media and working through that stuff. So I can get to the point where I'm engaging community in a more meaningful way on social media, as opposed to freaking out over what I think people will judge in a given picture or video or Instagram story. Um, so I just, yeah, I think that this is all work that we have to do that doesn't always get talked about. Absolutely. And then I would say like the second thing that I struggle with is then figuring out what to delegate, like, and then what, what can you lose control of and give to someone else because it, it is your name and you want to keep that service up. So what can you give up? And sometimes you even have to give up the things that you're really good at. Um, 
so that you can focus on, like you said, the growth of something bigger uh, for the for the company. And and that's that's a big thing for me right now as as well. Um, and, and you're right; it usually comes through the parts of the business where you hit a bump or a bottleneck. There's usually some form of I need to do some growth if this is a bottleneck. Is it because I'm, you know, insecure about this? Is it because I'm not knowledgeable about this? Is it because I, I'm being stubborn and not giving it to someone else <laughs> type of thing? Uh, so yeah, those are all really interesting things. Cause again, I am married to a man who has numbers and he's not the relationship type. And so his, his brain works differently. And so it, it is about the, the business and the numbers side, but then there's this other side, especially when you're in a relationship type business and a public facing business where you're constantly having to put yourself, like you said, out on social media and um, how do, how do people perceive that? That's another element that, that goes into it. But I would say you had, you had made the comment that, um, you know, we had talked about, you know, saying no to some clients. Right. And so what I keep trying to remind myself is if I do put something out there, that there has to be someone else like me. I'm not going to be for everyone. And so, and that's okay. Like that second part of the, that's okay. Is the part that, you know, I have to kind of remind myself, like, it's okay if I put that out there and that's this other, you know, competitor or whatever, you know, in your case, like thinks it's, it's too relaxed or something, but guess what? There are a lot of relaxed people out there, you know, that, would feel more comfortable with that, would feel less intimidated with that, right? So just remembering it's just going to, the, all it's going to do is attract the people that would, would want to work with someone like us, right? Yeah. Um, although I'm not the best bat- baseball. I am the, like, I have a colored shirt on. and I, I know they can't see, but I, I am the, I never wear a hoodie. See, it comes from, I never wear like a sweatshirt or a hoodie. They're always like, why are you always in a blazer? I'm like, because I'm the adult here. I want people to know that I'm the adult. So I, that's my little uniform, my blazers. Um, yeah. We all, we all have our little things that we cling to that say, I mean, that maybe they mean nothing to anybody else, but they really matter to us. And, uh, and I found, yeah, my hats, your blazers, that's, that's whatever it is. You know, if that, if that's well, the thing. They can, I need you know. a blazer on in my Ritz Carlton, uh, yes. uh, you know, office yeah. here. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. You have to, to dress to match the setting. I get that. I get that. You know, I'm in an upstairs bedroom. So if I were wearing a suit in my own house, I would have a real problem. Wrapping up, uh, what advice would you give to somebody who per, like heard all this and they go, wow, franchise, I want to do that. Um, that's the path that I want to go on. What advice would you give to somebody that maybe follow in your footsteps? I think if you do, if you run all the numbers, as far as that you can afford to do the buy-in and you know the monthly operations, if the numbers are there, then take the leap. Like don't, don't not do it because you don't think you can, because you, you'll really surprise yourself that, that you can do it. Um, I, I absolutely think that people should go for it. If you're passionate about the idea. And again, I say that the finances need to come into play because we can have all the passion in the world. And if one plus one, doesn't equal two, then, you know, it doesn't work, but yeah, absolutely. Um, I have found that it, it really did help someone like me that wanted the structure in place and wanted to, like I said, skip a few steps and have that built in support network, as opposed to if I had just started, you know, business on my own. So for me, it was the right path. So I, I say, go, go for it. 
go for it. That's awesome. And you are in the Northwest area, class 101, doing college prep and student mentoring. Uh, how can people best find you in, in this crazy world that we live in these days? Yep. So um, I'm in Northwest Houston. I'm technically in Cyprus. So they can go to class101.com forward slash Cyprus TX. Um, they can find me there and they can click to do a free consultation. And we're on Facebook at Class 101 Cyprus TX. We're also on Instagram with the same handle. So they can find us anytime. Uh, if, if they enjoy some of our social media posts, we have some students that do a few things for us. So that's always fun. Uh, awesome. to have, have some, yeah, if it's, if it's a post that has a filter, it's probably one of the students that was like, come on, Miss Kathy, just put the filter. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they, they remind us to have fun. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, so they can find us. We like to talk to anybody. Um, if we do have other locations in the Houston area. So if there's another location that's closer to you, I can send you in that direction as well. That's awesome. Well, Kathy, thank you so, so much for your time. You're one of my favorite people. Thank you. And uh, we'll definitely push people your way. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. A huge thank you again to Kathy Jones with Class 101. If you or someone you know has a student who's looking to get into a great college, be sure to connect with Kathy on social media at Class 101 Cyprus TX or on her website at class101.com slash Cyprus TX. Today's episode is sponsored by Victoria Garcia Studios. Victoria runs an amazing photography company right here in Houston that specializes in personal brand photography. Not only does she offer brand shoots that include everything from creative direction, wardrobe, hair, and makeup, but she also helps entrepreneurs like myself develop unique visions for their shoots through free resources like her brand foundation worksheet and visual aesthetic cheat sheet, which are offered for free on her website. I've personally worked with Victoria, and it was an amazing experience, probably the best photography experience that I've ever had. She helped me come up with the types of shots we needed, what locations would be best, and then coordinated the whole day. But most importantly, she produced epic photos that perfectly represented my brand and captured my unique personality. So whether you're a real estate agent like me, someone just building a brand for the first time, or if you've built a multi-million dollar company and need some photography, head over to victoriagarciastudios.com to book your call and see how she can help take your brand to the next level. As with all kinds of small businesses, every bit of support goes a long way. So take a moment to rate, review, and share Houston Made with that one person who you know might be interested. Houston Made is hosted by me, Rusty Gates, produced and edited in collaboration with Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by Stephanie Leal and Sarah Alwegfi in collaboration with Mac Ryan Creative. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, new friends. Houston Made is gladly a part of the Milieu Media neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. We are people who care deeply about human connection, and in our neighborhood, we find that connection by hearing and appreciating one another's stories and by sharing our own. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers from all kinds of backgrounds, visit milumedia.com. <laughs>